Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. Hi, I'm Sean Payne, owner and founder of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. Uh, today I have with me Isaiah Chass, our founding agent. Hi, everyone. Good seeing y'all. And we also have Britt Esser from MyNHD to talk about natural hazard reports and what they are. Britt, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. Good to see you. Cool. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, what is an NHG? What is the natural hazard disclosure? Well, um, historically, it goes back to uh, how does the realtor prepare the buyer for what are they getting into with their property? And so um, if you look back about you know, 30 years ago, it was, it was a document that geologists thought it'd be helpful to have the agent give the buyer something to kind of give them an idea of here's what could happen in the area from a you know earthquake fire flood and so they formalized in 1998 with the natural hazard disclosure act which is 1103 um, and, and it's basically the six things that we feel you know we need to be telling buyers do i need to have insurance for specific things that are going to affect the the property so you've got the special flood hazard area the dam inundation, very high fire, wildland fire, earthquake fault zone, and seismic. I always try to remember the all six uh, specifically. But, um, and then there's some other things that people have popped up with, you know, um, radon gas or uh, Megan's Law has come up as well. So there's a few different areas where this report, which used to be a couple of pages, is now almost 50 pages if it's a respectable, uh, you know, report from, from a brand that, that you trust. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Uh, and uh, out of the six, what would you say, what are, what are like the two disclosures or, or like what, what do you find that you're most dealing with or the questions that way out of those disclosures? The joy I have in this job is getting the call from someone like yourself and saying, I have a buyer, they're a little worried. Uh-huh. And what could possibly be the first or second thing? Uh, currently, we're going to run into fire stuff. Uh-huh, right. I mean, looking at the recent events, um, the fires in 2017 changed the way that we even look at the state. And really, when we had that affecting all of us, you knew that there was going to be some legislation that was going to be enacted. And so that's how Assembly Bill 38 and now Senate Bill 63 are coming to pass as sort of the, the, the standard for rather than waiting for a horrific event to occur and then having insurance and all these other you know things uh, really slow down the process of having people recover mm-hmm. we would like for the buyer to be aware that certain steps have either been in place or started to be put in place as far as hardening the home for a fire the defensible act or defensible space uh, part of the act is really all about making sure that um, 100 foot certain things are done 30 feet and then six feet from the actual structure. And that's part of Senate Bill 38? Is that? Assembly Bill 38, yeah, is all about making sure that if these things were done, let's make sure the buyer knows. Okay. And so the way that that's enforced is using either CAL FIRE from a state level, Mm -hmm. but if you're within the city, maybe you're using, in our case, Petaluma Fire Department. Right. And they would be the ones that come in and do an inspection, hopefully months before the house is put on the market, but... If not, then this particular part of the report will say, hey, you're in a fire zone. 
let's make sure that you have somebody from Petaluma Fire Department come in, take a look at the property, and see what needs to be done. The seller then provides that inspection right. to the buyer. What happens next? Well, as the market has clearly changed, the buyer now has the the, the number in front of them of, okay, I, I, I have some work to do that either I am going to pay for or possibly ask the seller to pay for. Uh-huh. There are cases where timeliness, everything's moving along, you know, escrow's going to close and this doesn't get done in time. So now you've got the buyer, you know, sort of in, you know, it's a situation where they're signing it and saying, I'll take care of it right. over the next year. But right. that's the big one. I mean, I, I will tell you that the best part about what I'm doing right now is just making sure that if you were in a situation as an agent and the buyer had a question, you have someone to call. You have an expert. So, you know, it's it's me not being able to, like, sell the property. It's my ability to sort of educate them and then say, here's what we can do to make sure you understand. Here are the facts of what's been presented. And then they decide if that risk is worth it. But fire insurance is complicated right, right yeah. now. And it's Definitely. not easy to maneuver. So we want to make sure that we're giving them everything we can before they purchase. Right, right. And AB 38 and, and the fire hazard, that was a really big one recently. How about on the flood side uh, that, that's involved with, with that? Um, yeah. That needs to be seen in the report. I got a lot of flood questions. Uh, I started in this industry about six years ago. So when I started pre the fires, uh, it, it was it was all about flood. And um, right. especially Sonoma, Marin, Napa, you know, you're going to have a lot of flood zones. Flood zones have a few different differentiators, but the biggest thing would be if you're in a severe flood zone area, zones A or V, mm-hmm. it'll pop up on the report and that'll immediately signal to the agent we got to talk to the buyer about flood insurance. If you're in that 500-year flood zone, you are, which sounds like a long time, but it will happen in our, you know. Area situation. Yeah, great 500-year flood zone is not, it's not going to take 500 years. A hundred, yeah. You know, a 100-year flood zone is not going to take 100 years generally. So Yeah, um, the, the clock doesn't start the day you buy the house. Um, so what you have then is the the changing of our our ecological areas means that these flood zones are constantly updated and and I'll actually jump into how that occurs with the mapping but if a flood zone pops up what we want to make sure is that the buyer goes okay I know that I can afford this and this and this but I got to make sure I talk to my insurance person sure what's my flood insurance going to cost if you get that wrong or if the map is wrong and it doesn't show the buyer that they're in a flood zone that is where we start to tiptoe into disclosure right right yeah Yeah. and then was it properly disclosed who's responsible for the accuracy of that flood map so 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 let's dive into that who is responsible for that accuracy of that flood map i mean you know uh like back up one of the reasons why an nhd is provided is because a buyer and a buyer's i'm sorry a seller and a seller's agent has a legal responsibility to to disclose this information um to uh, a, a a buyer, did I say that right, or did I say? I, I, <clears throat> I think you got a it seller right uh, and a seller's agent has a responsibility to disclose this information to a buyer and a buyer's agent. Um, and but but as re- realtors or real you know or, or real estate experts, but how do we compile this information? And then that's why we we lean on the the NHD that way. So um, yeah, so can you go into a little bit about like how this information is compiled and sure. and 
in the event there is an inaccuracy, what, what happens there? So. Yeah, there's a number of different ways. I'll backtrack a little bit and just say that we all want to be pulling the best data possible. Sure. The best data possible also happens to be the most expensive data. Uh-huh. So when you're looking at the industry as a whole, the natural hazard disclosure industry, there are 37 plus companies, give or take every couple of years, some fade away, but um, completely unregulated companies. So there's no requirement that they get the best data for your county or your city area. Are you saying 37 NHD Com- companies yeah. or companies that, that NHDs use to compile the information? You can get you can get your data. Well, they have to get data from the state to, from the state okay. area, you know, for their specific right. severe flood area. But the actual valuable information that we like to kind of pride ourselves on would be how do we get the most accurate local map for a flood zone right right and so if you kind of think of it like a pyramid the the cream of the crop would be local Uh city level so did petaluma go out and actually canvas all of the area and see which of these homes is in a flood zone if they didn't do it recently then we definitely have county Mm -hmm. county is probably the the modern standard and then the state is what everybody's required to get it's done you know not very often Mm -hmm. yeah in fact i think locally it's like six or seven years old Mm -hmm. so you really do want to make sure that if you're looking at these reports checking the date of the actual flood map is kind of important because you could be looking at a report you know, the, the cost of a report can be 50 bucks. Right, right. On the low end. Right. Up to 140 bucks. So why is this so much less expensive? You'll very quickly understand that it's a very thin report and it's, it's very old maps. And I see. You, you don't have any insurance or any spe- specific language to protect you as the agent. I think so. that's a really good topic to talk about as well. Is, is that, yeah, what, what yeah, is that? that's definitely where we're, we're going to address that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so you have to, you have to, so you, you have to pay for these maps at the state level to make sure that they're accurate. Like, if a new map comes out, it's not released. I mean, the the state doesn't release it. They, they yeah, everyone. You, if you look at an NHD, it's all public information. Right, right exactly. It's it's how yeah. our process has pulled, you know almost a hundred different data sources into this one very easy to understand concise report. But if you personally were to try and go out and pull all this together, it would take you weeks. Oh yeah, it wouldn't happen. And I can deliver it to you in 30 minutes. Right, right, right. So my process is we're pulling the the most current state, county, and city maps as fast as we possibly can, identifying the parcel, making sure it gets a designation that you and the obviously buyer and seller can understand, and then saying, Here's how we're going to back it up mm-hmm. um, with with the sourcing. So that's really where, you know, what separates the industry is how efficiently the company is able to provide the best data, make it easy to understand, and then support it with either extremely strong E&O insurance, uh, a geological person on staff, um, bringing in you know, local experts like myself to just make sure that the realtors, the buyers, the sellers all have somebody they can lean on. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's get back to your question. Yeah. So what, you know, there is a, a difference across the board between companies. What, 
I guess, what, what does that language provide? What does that protection provide for each party involved in transaction yeah. when selecting an NHG source? Well, it's kind of an interesting thing. I, I have to go out into the world and make sure that my primary job is to get the real estate brokers, agents, and, and their clients to understand that what we provide is a very, very good source of protection. What my owner, Eric Spitz, he's been around for 35 years, wants to make sure is that everyone also knows that he's paying for really good E&O insurance in case there were to be an error, which we've never had to rely on E&O insurance. But if there were to be an error, a $10 million policy is going to cover Sean and it's going to cover the agent and it's going to cover you know the seller and it's going to cover the transaction coordinator. Um, which is sort of a rare thing in our industry. So there's a lot of people involved, but what that really means is that if you look at all these different companies and all the different issues that come into putting together the report, the biggest thing is, are you protected by the language within the terms and conditions? If I look at the final page of my report, there are 13 different things in there, and the last one says... We stand by you no matter what's in this report with our insurance. Most companies are going to be very careful about how they word that because if they make an error, are they on the hook for $50,000, $100,000? And then if they're not responsible for it, then does it fall on the agent? Right. And we've seen, I mean, I have an entire file of just cases of disclosure. And, And I think, again, that opens up another box of questions like, how often does something go wrong? Right now, we're looking at the largest increase in disclosure cases in real estate in history. It went from about two to three years ago, is one in 500 transactions. Right. One in 300 is now the average. And is that how, since how, COVID? Yeah. Oh, the, I think when they ran this number, it was probably within the last two years. But the idea is you have people who just paid a lot of money for a real estate transaction and something now in them has popped up and they are looking for something that yes. might have gone wrong. One of the documents that an attorney would very quickly point to is an unregulated one that has tons of different holes possibly. Go in and start combing through the language and find something wrong. Right. So when you look through the disclosure packet on a real estate transaction, that may be one of the first things that they can attack. The advertising is phenomenal now that you see out there for real estate attorneys who really are, you know, keen to the idea of, oh, we can find 50, 60, $70,000 for a buyer who may just be kind of disappointed in the fact that they paid yep. a high price for the property and now things are shifting. Yeah, that anytime you come out of a hot, uh, a hot market, you see that. I, I would assume that if, if it's, you're saying the, the numbers from the last two years have been one in 300, let's wait 18 months uh, <laughs> and, and see what, what the number of lawsuits are you know, per transaction then. Because I think we're just, the people that have purchased in, in the end of 2021 and 2022 are the ones that really may have, may have you know, paid at the, high, the highest part of the market that way. So uh, my, I'll, give you, I'll give you a funny situation. I went and, and did a thing with the Cal Fire inspector and he of all the people i thought would probably not have an opinion on this he was the one who said when we start looking at these uh, ab38 fire situations we feel like that is where 
the biggest issue is going to arise in real estate disclosure law because you're going to have the buyer who did not get their inspection stuff done or they didn't get all the things lined up. They closed the deal. Right. And then they got that call, email, whatever from an attorney and said, hey, uh, notice that your property is in a fire zone. Would you like for us to take a look at your case and see if possibly there was something wrong with the AB 38? Right, right. Oops. I mean, I remember when that they very first released that and there was a, a, a meeting with, uh, I think, maybe Cal Fire members and maybe uh, California Association of Realtor members. And there was so much gray area between that of of who is responsible for what. It's, it, it is a very hard to navigate thing. And that is, again, probably three to four phone calls a week. I'm just making sure that I'm helping people navigate through. Um, the law is written somewhat confusingly, and they've even got a, I don't know, they have a great word for it, tree of reason or path of of knowledge. It sounds like something like Lord of the Rings, but it's like you you follow this to sort of figure out, is it in a state zone? Turn left. Is it right. in a fire zone in, you know, in yeah. the city? Turn right. And you basically have to maneuver your way to what are you signing? And I think every brokerage is also kind of like, well, I don't want to over-disclose, but I do have to require, I do have to put the required document in right, there. Right. Is the FHDS, the Fire Hardening Disclosure Statement, in there needlessly? Right. And then the other question would be, am I scaring a buyer by adding something that quite literally says, you don't need to worry, we did the inspections, you're in the clear? Uh, if they don't understand what they're looking at, they could just see fire and right. go, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what, what you know. A good agent should be walking, walking them through the, that la- that language, making sure that they understand it that way. So, yeah, that's a. We, we recently had a, a builder that we work with they built some homes in one area, didn't have the the AB uh, thirty eight come into play, then built a, a home in another area that was high fire risk, and and tried to explain to them and kind of went through the process of AB thirty eight, and that they had to jump through an additional hoop to get it inspected by the fire department. Mm-hmm. It's way, tricky so. because it's not. It's a, a state requirement, so it's. Yes. A, a city final inspection for final occupancy doesn't count towards that, even though you'd think, you know, they'd right. kind of overlap and communicate it. It's yeah. not that case. We, we, we changed the actual format of our report and put what I feel is one of the most obvious, obnoxious, bright colored, hey, you're in an AB 38 situation on our first page just for this reason, because we felt like people were whipping through it too fast. Sure. And especially in the age of e-signing, docu-signing, right, right. You, can, you can whip through your, your reports too fast and then realize yep, that, that happens all the time. it was a state area, click this link. Oh, but you're actually in a county area, call these people. Right. So we, we've made it very simple if you just follow the steps on page one, but boy, yeah, still get a lot of calls. You know, that's a great segue. So walk us through your report. Like some people will be able to watch the YouTube video, but a lot of people will just be listening to this so they mm-hmm. don't have the visual. So just can you just walk us through verbally the how your Best report's practice. structured? Yeah, no, how your report's structured that way. And sure. obviously the the important information is usually at the front, but then you have the supporting documents. Yeah. You know? So yeah, just how, how does that work? What um, would people see? Well, that's, yeah, and I was going to say, this is one of the other fun parts of my job is that the brokerages that just say, all right, I need you to come in, new agents, you're going to go through a report with them. And so what we do is we we put the report in front of them and say, if you had to sit with your buyer, here's what I would like for you to look at first. The seller is going to provide the report. They are the ones that sign it, the seller and the seller's agent. Once the buyer has signed the 
the report, they have accepted all of these things that are within there. So what we're saying is slow down. You've got the first page, which is an invoice. It shows the date. The reason that we have the invoice on there is so that you can see that this thing is official once it is signed and paid for. Mm -hmm. And that's also when the insurance policy would kick in with us. So at that point, <laughs> the official start of the report is the AB 38 page. If it's you know in a severe fire zone, if it's not, you won't you won't appear in our report. Right. We even had to go an extra step. If it was in AB 38, we even included the fire hardening disclosure statement on the last two pages. So we quite literally had to sandwich this you know fire thing in front of people so they wouldn't miss it. Um, so then you've got the AB 38. If it doesn't apply, you're on to what's called the state signature page, which is basically the big six of the, uh, which I went over before with, with um, you know, with, with the right. Natural Hazard Disclosure Act. So your floods, your fires, your earthquakes. And then, you know, they have to agree that they've at least looked at that page. What I always tell people to do, jump right past that. Mm. Remember the, par the, the pyramid that was the bottom layer of information. Right. It is the oldest, and it's not going to be what really is truly going to get to the meat of the report. The next section is the summary. Mm -hmm. And we call it the summary because for two pages, you are going to go down every single one of those local, current, accurate areas that really dive into what's truly going on. So I've had it occur where the state has not gone and mapped a particular earthquake area. But the county did, and lo and behold, Napa was a perfect example, where it was covered in these little spider veins of a, of a fault line mm -hmm. that when the maps were updated, the county updated. So therefore, you wouldn't have seen that your home was in a, a earthquake zone uh, on the state signature page, but you would definitely have seen it on my summary page for the county. Okay. So they can actually... Right, right, right conflict with each other. And, and that's where we slowly have the agent kind of peel back and go, all right, so we've got yes, 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 no, no, no. You're looking for the yeses right. or you're looking for the in or the out. And if it's in, then you're looking at, you know, certain particular areas would be the radon stuff or um, Megan's Law. Um, our report includes a lot of the stuff that has to do with the land around it. It also has to do with tax stuff which again, not to get too deep into that because it can get a little verbose, but you're gonna have an actual breakdown of what local taxes, a Melrose, uh, 1915 Bond Act. If you're in one of those, and I'll shortly jump into what a Melrose could do, if they decided to do a specific thing to raise money, and you like a new development's coming in, yeah. they need housing, fire stations, things of that Perfect. nature. Perfect, yeah, yep. well, we're gonna do something for the school, we're gonna put in new childcare, whatever, right. daycares. But if you don't pay that one part of your property tax, it's considered a lien on the property. Mm -hmm. Accelerated for foreclosure can kick in. Mm -hmm. So you may have this massive property tax bill, but that one section will be what could actually get you removed from your home. Um, so we have to make sure that the agent sees, oh, is this in Melrose? Okay, we gotta make sure we tell the buyer that that small portion is gonna need to be paid mm -hmm. if you don't wanna pay everything else. Right. So. Cool. And can you talk about what uh, an insurance company will look at for what 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 triggers uh, an added you know coverage? That's a good question. Great question. So that is another thing that I get. What we love about working with insurance agents is that they tend to say natural hazard disclosure 
has the good stuff, the good data. They have their own maps. I mean, they clearly have their areas where there is a lot of risk. They probably have different rates based on how their map is drawn for an area. Ours is coming from a state, a county, or a city, so it's unbiased. But if I were to have a parcel with a home that had the house at the top of the hill and the creek, gorgeous view, creek running down right. below, sitting in a flood zone, well, to the to the insurance company, they're looking at their map, that house is in a flood zone, we'll take that, that flood insurance you know, right. right away. But my report is gonna say, that while it is, a portion of it is in a flood zone, we are going to also provide a FEMA flood certificate that says the structure is out of the flood zone. So therefore, you will not be required to have that flood insurance. With that, an NHD and a FEMA flood certificate, most of your insurance companies are going to say you're in the clear. So just not all NHDs do provide a, a flood certificate. You guys do. We want so to. That's always. definitely a huge benefit of using. Uh, Imagine a, losing a deal right. over something as simple as you know fifteen hundred dollars worth of flood insurance, and really it just comes down to the trust that a buyer has. They don't want to have surprises at the last second. Right. So well, we, usually what happens is like uh, you know it gets addressed, but as agents, then we have to go out and do research and, and and try to find that flood certificate. You know, some municipalities keep like databases of them and yeah. stuff like that, but it still can take take some time to do it. So it's really nice to have that up front that way. Yeah. So that's the AB thirty eight thing, we we want to make sure that's caught. The flood insurance thing, we want to make sure that's caught. Anything else, the Melarus, um I was going to say another section that's been kind of fun for us to make sure that people catch. Anybody signing up for solar these days? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you think you're getting $0 per month as far as your bill because you're getting a lot of credits, but a pace lien, uh, you know, a property uh, clean energy lien um, is applied to the property, Mm -hmm. not to the person who signed up for the contract. Right. So imagine the buyer who goes to buy the house and they're like, oh, $700,000. Wait, what's this extra thirty-five thousand? Uh-huh. Well, that's thirty years of payments. Well, they didn't sign that contract, so we want to make sure that in the report they see pace lien attached. Here's I what see. you're gonna. It's just one more thing where let's right. let's not have them come back years you know year later and go, we don't want this solar. Sure, sure, right. So. And can you? Talk talk back a little bit more about the, I guess, protection side. So mm-hmm. if you look at some home inspections and pest inspections, they only cover who it's, you know, sometimes paid for or who pays for it or who it's ordered by. Who on an NHD side, can you talk about who it protects, everyone involved, just the... Yeah, I kind of uh, glossed over that, I feel like. But the big thing right now is that we want to make sure that a buyer looks to see what's in the report we want the seller to look and see in the terms and conditions who's covered the language in there can be all over the board so while we tend to over cover some companies say we will cover the cost of the report all 70 dollars of it well that seems like kind of the minimum amount right right um i've had others where i've read through it and seen that the maximum they would do is something like small claims court most of them want to just go straight to arbitration where in that case if the agent or the broker were to lose all the costs would be paid for by the the seller the agent and the broker it can get nasty i mean i i feel like 
because it's unregulated, you really do want to do some homework in selecting the company sure. that's going to protect you and then have a little more you know, education with your NHD person saying, okay, so like also teach me, what am I supposed to say here and there? And then when to not say anything mm-hmm. and make a phone call. Mm-hmm. Because I like the idea that almost like a part of your team, you know, you have your, your home warranty expert, you've got your insurance expert, you've got your, your lending expert. But if you know there's a creek on the property, right? can I call my person and say, I just want to make sure I say the right thing or I send the right email or whatever. Or can I have the buyer just call you? Once you order an NHD, my protection begins with you. So what I love to tell an agent is order early. There is no law limiting you to when you can get the report. Sure. There is a law as to when you absolutely have to give the buyer a copy of it. And that's one of the things that people do run into is that if you were to get into escrow, the NHD is the absolute easiest way to get out of a deal. Mm-hmm. The three-day right of rescission is not a joke. And, and buyers can find something in there and go, this scares me too much. I'm out. Whereas if you were to order an NHD prior to, of, yeah, you sign the listing agreement, right. you can order an NHD. I get text messages all day. Just it's the address. Get it out to me. I have agents that as they're driving towards doing a listing appointment, sure. they'll yeah. be like, I want to take a look at it or better yet, why don't you take a look at it and tell me, is there anything I need to know before I walk in and be the resourceful agent? Mm. And so you order this thing, you get a great look at it, you see that there's solar, you see that there might be flood, you're coming in you know, prepared and then that goes right into a disclosure packet. And right. if they get that and they show that they have received it and signed that they received it, you're in the clear. Yep, exactly. So, yep, cool. best practices. Yep, yep, very cool. Uh, anything else we haven't covered that you'd like to cover that way regarding the NHD? Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it, we like to say it's not a problem until it's a problem. Sure. You know, like we... I understand that. As far as the totem pole of importance, I'm I'm coming down a little lower. But then we've always felt like there is going to be that moment where, oh my gosh, how did we miss this? Or worse, did it did it not seem important at the time? And then six months later, it's the buyer saying, I I I don't understand. Like, how is this not something that was addressed? And so we like to make sure that. If we're disclosed, disclosed, disclosed in the report, then you don't have that 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 conversation down the road. The commission haircut. Right, right. Sure, sure. Cool, cool. Yeah. So what's the, the best way for people to get a hold of you if they have any uh, NHD needs as an agent yeah. or a seller or, or uh, you know, just have questions about uh, the report that way? Well, I think the, the most important thing is if they want information about the natural hazard disclosure, go to CAR, go to the California Association of Realtors. Um, like I said, I, the owner of our company is fanatical about learning and, and growing and bringing in best processes. CAR loves to kind of rely on him as, as sort of a, you know, one of the legends. So I like to send people that way first because there is going to be the, the most current legal information. As far as me personally, um, yeah, I have a great little website, mynhd.com. You can learn all you need. All of our resources regarding fire, flood, earthquake. We've got some great booklets. Everything's digital. 
Um, I didn't bring it up before, but I will say the best part about an NHD now is it's not 50 pages of paper. Uh, you can pull it up on an iPad right. and everything is hot links. You just, you know, or hyperlinks. You can just pop into it and, and see some really cool high resolution maps as opposed to the pixelated stuff from the 90s when these things first were invented. So go to MyNHD. Um, anybody can order an NHD. So even somebody who owns a home right now and just wants to get the most current information, they could go and get a report and pay for it. Um, we're $95, so uh -huh. it's not you know, a crushing expense. But sure. yeah, and that's the easiest way. I mean, most of the agents, I think, as far as their practices, they like to make sure that they tell a transaction coordinator to order it early, uh, make sure that you know, you've got the invoice in there and if there was any AB38, we're trying now to teach the transaction coordinators to catch an AB38 thing, bring it to you, bring it to whoever and, and say, hey, I'm gonna double check on the inspection. Uh -huh. So, yeah, and then, I mean, if you want people to uh, to reach out to me, I'm sure you can find us on, you know, numerous uh, transaction coordinator platforms. Um, so, cool. that's an option too. No, that's great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been really informative. Uh, Isaiah, what do you think? Do you, you have anything else to uh, say? I think that covered it, but definitely uh, I think if anyone has further questions, they should certainly reach out. Yep. Yep. Great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm Sean Payne, uh, owner and founder of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please hit like and subscribe so that you can see future episodes. Uh, Isaiah, thank you much. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Absolutely. And uh, Britt, you as well. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it. Yeah. See you guys this next time. Fun. Bye, guys. Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe.